Bibles, if you would, to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1. I'm looking at this text this week. Just thrilled my soul. Just absolutely thrilled my soul. Acts chapter 1. Name of the message is this same Jesus. Now, four great events shine out in our Savior's life story his miraculous birth, his substitutionary death on Calvary's cross, his glorious resurrection and his wonderful ascension up into glory. And think upon this, that the Son of God was born into this world, and that he died in the room and place of his people. And the fact that he rose from the dead That he rose from the grave is the warrant of our justification. An assurance of the resurrection of his people because since he rose from the dead, our bodies one day will rise from the dead. We know that to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. So the moment the believer dies, their soul goes right to glory. My, oh my. And equal, equally delightful to think upon is the remembrance of his ascension. His ascension. No song is sweeter than this. Thou hast ascended on high. Thou hast led captivity captive. What a sweet song. How this fills the born again believer in Christ with great joy. Each one of these four points lead to another. His birth, his death, his resurrection, and his ascension. They each lead one to another and lead up to it. And you know what they lead up to? All four of those together lead up to his second advent. His second coming. Had he not come the first time in humiliation, he could not have come a second time in glory. It says he comes without a sin offering unto salvation. First time he came as a substitute, as a lamb. Next time he comes as the lion of the tribe of Judah. Conquering king. Conquering king. Boy, that excites my heart. Is it so for you? Oh, my. And because he died, the believer can rejoice. In his return, well, he will come again and destroy the last enemy, which is death. Which is death. And it is our joy that is a cons- consequence of his rising the trump of the archangel, it shall sound for all his slumbering people. My, oh my. 
And because he, he died, we can rejoice, can't we? We can rejoice. As for his ascension, he could not come a second time if he had not first descended back up into glory. Right? And we'll start from the ascension of our Lord here tonight. Picture our Lord walking with the eleven disciples up to the side of the Mount Olivet. And they come to a standstill. They come to a standstill, having reached the brow of the hill. While his disciples are looking, the Lord just ascends into the clouds. Oh, my. Let's look at Acts chapter 1, verses 6 to 11. Starting in verse 6. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? So again, they're, they're thinking of an earthly kingdom here, aren't they? <laughs> they haven't learned yet, but they're, 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 they're learning, but they haven't learned yet that this is going to be a spiritual kingdom, but God's kingdom is a spiritual kingdom. And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power. Right there we know that the second coming of Christ, no man knows the hour of the day. Only the Father knows when that is going to happen. So I've said this before and I'm going to say it again because it's really worth repeating. Milton Howard once said, if a man sets a date, you can be sure the Lord isn't coming back on that day. Okay? So just if you hear some guy say, well, the Lord's coming, or some, it could be a guy or a lady, saying, oh, the Lord's going to come back in this thing. You mark it on your calendar. The sun's going to set that day. The sun's going to rise that day, and the sun's going to set that day. <laughs> no man. That means no man. That means no man or woman, right? No man. No man or woman knows the times when the Father hath put in his own power. But ye shall receive power after the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. Now the gospel's going forth right now, isn't it? And from here, it goes all over the world. We've got countries all over the world downloading messages from just here. And at Donnie's, and at Norm's, and Jim's. All over the world, the gospel's going forth. And God's people rejoice. And when he had when he had spoken these things, while well, they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Now, now, could you imagine that? You're standing there. <laughs> yeah, brother, it, it, it just, it, we, we can't even fathom it, can we? You're standing there with the Lord. So just say, let's just picture Peter and them standing there, okay? And all of a sudden, the Lord just starts to rise off the ground and rise up into the air. Oh, my goodness. And there's no rocket ship, right? There's no, no backpack. Them field backpack, rocket backpacks that they used to say. Nothing like that. The Lord, in his power, just raises from the ground up and ascends into the glory. And they are, they are witnesses of this. Now, we see... We see in here in the next portions, that their reaction is exactly the same as ours would be. 
It says here, and while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, they watched him go right up. And then they watched him taken away by a cloud. Two men stood by them in white apparel. White apparel. Right? That pictures the righteousness of Christ. And these are angels, though. But they're holy in, in the sight of God. Right? Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, look at this. Why stand ye gazing up into heaven? So they're sitting there, and they're just like, I can imagine their jaws is probably almost on the ground. They are in awe of what just happened. And remember, there's no airplanes then. There's no, none of that stuff. None of that stuff. The only things they could see fly were birds. And our Lord just, right up. And it says they just stood there and gazed. Can you imagine? <laughs> they, they'd be shocked. See, this is our Lord, though. This is our God, beloved. He's the one who has all power. Look at this. Which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, there's the, there's, the, there's the title of our text. This same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, so shall come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. He's coming back. They said, why are you standing there gazing? He's coming back again. This same Jesus. The same Jesus that was standing right in front of them. The same Jesus that went to Calvary's cross and died upon the cross. The same Jesus, God incarnate in the flesh. The same Jesus. And the believer in Christ can say, the same Jesus has saved me. He saved my soul. Praise his mighty name. He saved me. Oh my. And remember that word, those words in Romans, right? Who can bring any charge against God's elect? It's God that justifies. My, God looks at us and he sees us in Christ. Isn't that wonderful? That's wonderful. He doesn't see no fault in us. He doesn't see our sins. He sees us in Christ. My, absolutely wonderful. So they're gazing up into heaven. I could see them standing there just spellbound, can't you? Just spellbound. Our Lord just ascended, just... He just was standing on the ground and all of a sudden up he goes. And a cloud comes and he's gone. My, my. They're riveted. They'd be riveted to the spot. So would we, wouldn't we? They'd be literally riveted right there just gazing up. They probably, I, I could imagine I'd be like, is that really real? Did he really do that? Wouldn't you? Did we really see what we saw? <laughs> I would guarantee you they never seen anything like that before. Never. Never. But we see that their contemplation about this situation is interrupted by two messengers. Two messengers of God who appear in human form that they may not alarm them and in right raiment to remind them that all was bright and joyous. This is not a sad occasion. 
This is a joyful occasion. And we see in verse 12 that they at once gird themselves after the angel speaks to them, the two angels speak to them, at once they returned, then returned they unto Jerusalem from the mount, call all of it, which is from Jerusalem, a Sabbath day's journey. They returned to Jerusalem for active service, beloved. Right? They were the Lord's soldiers. Off they go. They received their marching orders, haven't they? Yes, they have. Oh, my. In these three verses of Holy Scripture, look at this. We're going to be looking mostly at this tonight, this verses 9 to 11. They're both solemn and delightful. They're both instructive and they're practical. Let's read verses 9 to 11. And when he had spoken these things, well, they beheld he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Well, they looked steadfastly toward heaven. As he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, ah, the same Jesus, which is taken up from you into heaven, so shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. He's coming back. That's what he's telling them. He's coming back the same way as, he, as you saw him go up. He's coming back. He's coming back. Oh, does that not fill your heart with joy? Oh, my because we know to be absent from the body is to be present of the Lord. So if we die before his second coming, we're going to be in his presence anyways. But he's coming back. Scripture says he is, and we believe it. And it fills our hearts. It thrills our hearts. We are God's people. You know, we're to comfort one another with these words. We're going to see that in our study in 1 Thessalonians. We're in chapter 4 now. And we're not quite at the latter part of the Lord's second coming of the chapter of chapter 4. But we will get there. And, and we are to comfort one another with these words. These are words of comfort. I remember telling someone I was so excited about the second coming of Christ. And they told me, well, I'm, I'm pretty young. I got a lot of life to live. And I said, man, I want to go home and be with the Lord right now. <laughs> I'm ready. And all of us are, aren't we, as believers? We who are believers, we're ready to go home. And the Lord just says, no, you need to tarry there for a little while longer. But, but, but don't be afraid, because I'm always with you. I'll never leave you. I'll never forsake you. I'll guide and direct you, because I love you with an everlasting love. A love that will never, ever cease. Oh, what a Savior we have. We, what a Savior we have. So these disciples are riveted to the spot by these two messengers of God who appear in human form. Angels had said once to a woman, why seek ye the living among the dead? He's not here, but He's risen. That's when he rose from the grave. And we see in verse 11, 
These angels here, they say, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall come, so, so come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. My, oh my. And then we see that our Lord, he just went up into glory. Well, they looked steadfastly toward heaven as he went up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel. Yep, he went. And these verses speak of our Lord's glorious ascension. And this is proof of his deity as well. You know that? This is proof of his deity. None can do this but God. Remember he just appeared in a room with the disciples? No one can do that but God. No one. My. So having finished his work, our Lord Jesus Christ, the God-man, ascended into heaven and assumed his rightful place among, upon the throne of God as King of kings and Lord of lords. Turn, if you would, to John 17. And we're going to see he spoke about this very thing. John 17. He ascended into his rightful place, beloved. He descended down from glory, right? To be born, to become a man. He descended down from glory. He lived upon this earth. He died in the sinner's place. He was, he, he was buried and he rose again. And then he appeared to his disciples. And then he ascended up into heaven. And he is seated at the right hand of the Father. Look at this in John 17, verses 1 to 5. These words spake Jesus and lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour is come. Glorify thy son that thy son also may glorify thee. As thou hast given him power over all flesh. Look at that. He has power over all flesh. Every single, every living, breathing thing. To the things we can't even see. That he should give eternal life to as many as thou hast given him. And this is life eternal. They might know thee, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom thou hast sent. I have glorified thee on the earth. Look at this. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. It's finished. Look at that. Now that's glorious in itself, isn't it? Any work that was demanded of us, Christ as our substitute fulfilled it. For, the, for his people. He said, I've finished the work which thou gavest me to do. Look at this though. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had with thee before the world was. He's just speaking of his deity, who he is. He's God. And he's speaking to the Father. And look at verse 5 is absolutely spectacular. And now, O Father, glorify thou me with thine own self, with the glory which I had before, which I had with thee before the world was. And what did he do? He ascended up into glory and is seated at the right hand of the Father right now. That prayer has been answered. That prayer has been answered. Scripture declares, for to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord of, be Lord both of the dead and the living. He's Lord over all. He's Lord over the living. He's Lord over the dead spiritually. He's Lord over the 
Dead physically, too. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And what happened? Lazarus came forth. He didn't say, well, wait. I haven't decided yet whether I can come. Lazarus was dead. And God, God in power called him forth. And that's a picture. That's a picture of God calling us while we're dead in trespasses and sins. That's a picture. Put your name there where Lazarus' name is. That's what he did for us in our natural state. And even so, the time appointed by the Father, when the time appointed by the Father comes, our Lord will come again to this earth. And here coming power. And here coming glory. Here comes lion. Lion of the tribe of Judah had prevailed. Says in Revelation to open the seals. Oh, I love that title of our Lord. Just saying, you know, lion. I, I remember seeing a picture. Henry Mann used to always say, you put stuff on a black background and it just pops out, right? I never forget seeing a picture of a lion, just the, the head and the mane. You know, they're king of the jungle, right? They're the, they're the top of the food chain. And someone had taken a picture and then put it on black. And that lion's just popped out and looked like a king of the jungle. And I often think, my, my king, he is the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the king of kings and the lord of lords. He appeared to Joshua as a warrior, didn't he? He is. Oh, my. And he's going to come back in power. How do we know this? Well, the text makes it quite clear, right? The text makes it quite clear that he's coming back. But here are some other references. I'm going to read these. If you want to write them down, first one is Revelation 1.7. Scripture says this, Behold, he cometh with clouds, and every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him, and all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. His appearing is not going to be secret. It's going to be public. Every eye shall see him. My, oh my. Then 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, which is the area we're going to be studying probably about two or three weeks from now in our Wednesday night studies, it says this. But I would not have you be ignorant, brethren. Paul's writing to the Thessalonian believers. He doesn't want his brothers to be ignorant. He says, I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren. Concerning them which are also which are asleep, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the words of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain unto the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And so shall we ever be with the Lord. And then Paul finishes that wonderful section about the second coming of Christ with these words. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Oh, what comfort we can, we can find contemplating 
the return of our King. And whether he comes back in our life or whether he comes back when we're gone, he's coming back. He is coming back. Second Thessalonians chapter one, verse, or, yeah, chapter one, verses seven to ten also says this: "And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels." Oh, he's coming in power with his mighty angels. Now remember, one angel killed 100,000 men, right? They're mighty angels, all right. They're mighty angels, but they're under his control. In flame and fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen to those words. In flame and fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ, who shall be punished with everlasting destruction. Hell is real. That's what the scripture says here. From the presence of the Lord and from the glory of his power, when he shall come to be glorified in his saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Now here are four things, four things that are of our paramount importance. Let us be sure to understand them by the grace of God. Number one, the Lord Jesus Christ has ascended into heaven. We see that in the text. It says this, and when he had spoken these things, well, they beheld in verse nine, He was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. Turn, if you would, to Luke chapter 24. Luke chapter 24. Oh, he's coming, and he really did ascend into glory. He ascended into heaven. Luke 24, verses 50 to 53. And he led them out as far as to Bethany. And he lifted up his hands and blessed them. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Look at that. Carried up into heaven. And they worshipped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Look at that though. We can be sure Christ ascended because the scriptures declare that. Look at verse 51. And it came to pass while he blessed them, he was parted from them and carried up into heaven. Oh, it's marvelous, isn't it? And think of this, because he rose, we're going to rise too. Right? Because he's the head and we're what? The body. So where the head is, the body soon falls, doesn't it? It sure does. So what is the meaning of the ascension? Why Why was the Lord Jesus Christ taken up into heaven? What happened to the Son of God when he went back to glory, clothed in human flesh? And what is he doing in heaven? Well, our Lord Jesus Christ ascended back into heaven to claim his rightful place as king of the universe. Listen to this in Daniel chapter 7. 
I saw in the night visions, and behold, one like the Son of Man came with the clouds of heaven and came to the Ancient of Days. And they brought him near before him, and there was given him dominion and glory. And our Lord has all dominion and glory, doesn't he? In a kingdom. Listen to this. That all people, nations, and language, we know that, that God's people are out of a kindred tongue and nation. This is Daniel 7, if you want to write it down, 13 and 14. Out of all, all people, nations, and languages should serve him. Should serve him. And then it says this, his dominion is an everlasting dominion. That's our king. That's talking about our king. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away in his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed. So the father's reward to the son for his mediatorial obedience as our substitute is dominion over all things. He has full dominion over all things. God the Father has put all things into hands and under the rule of King Jesus, the God-man, mediator. And in heaven, the Son of God is carrying on his great intercessory work. Turn, if you would, to 1 John chapter 2. He's carrying on his great intercessory work as our, as our advocate and as our high priest. He's entered into heaven with his own blood. He sat down upon the throne of God, having obtained eternal redemption for us. He sat down. The work's finished. He sat down. And when one sits down, they're resting, aren't they? Well, he sat down. My. And by virtue of the blood of Christ, he offers continual intercession for his redeemed people. That's wonderful for we sinners, isn't it? We save sinners. Look at this in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1 and 2. Wonderful verses here. My little children, these things write unto you that you sin not. We sin more than we want to, don't we? Absolutely. We don't want to sin, but we sin more than we want to. And if any man sin, look at this. <clears throat> we have an advocate. Praise God for the heavenly advocate. Praise God for the heavenly advocate. Who's the advocate with? Well, the one we sinned against. Never forget, we sinned against God. Right? But we have an advocate. God's people have an advocate with the Father. What's his name? Jesus Christ. Look at this. The righteous. The righteous. That can be said of no other man and no other woman and no other child on this earth. The righteous, that's, that's who he is. He is the righteous one. The righteous. And then it goes on. It gets even better. It gets even better. It really does. Look at this. And he is the propitiation for our sins. He is the offering for the sins of his people. He, that means he's, he's appeased the wrath of God that was against us. Remember this morning I said the wrath that was due me and due you as a believer fell upon him. He's our propitiation. I remember hearing one, one fellow preach on this one time and he said, he, Christ has extinguished the wrath of God against us. My. He's extinguished it. And that gives God's people hope. That's a hope like no other hope. 
He's our propitiation for our sins. Remember, he's the sinless one. He's the propitiation for the sins of his people and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world, for all the elect of all the ages. My, my. And through the virtue of his blood, all the blessings of grace are bestowed upon his people, bestowed upon God's elect. And the exalted Christ has claimed and taken possession of heaven as the forerunner of his people. He's the forerunner of us, isn't he? He's the one who's led captivity captive. The head goes before the body. Scripture says we're already seated in heavenly places. That's because we're in Christ. My. And the exalted Christ has claimed and taken possession of heaven as the forerunner again of his people. He has claimed all the inheritance of heaven's glory for all God's elect, for all whom his blood was shed, for all whom shall believe upon him. Do you believe on him? Is he your savior? Is he your rest? Is he a redeemer? Oh, the believer says, yes. Yes, he's everything to me. And our Savior took his place upon the throne of glory. He's there right now. He's there right now. And he secured everlasting salvation, the everlasting salvation of all his redeemed. He's purchased it. He's obtained eternal redemption for us. It's already a finished work. My. Do you see how it's not about us? We saw today that was impossible for men or women to save themselves this morning, right? It's utterly impossible. But with God, all things are possible. He's the propitiation for our sins. The just one. The Holy One. My, oh my. And he purchased every single one of his sheep by the shedding of his precious blood on Calvary's cross. And right now he reigns in glory. And those whom he has purchased with his precious blood 2,000 years ago, every single one of them will be with him in glory forever. And they're all, we're, we're all going to sing praises to him. You know, heaven's anthem is give him all the glory, isn't it? Unto him that has redeemed us with his own blood. Purchased our eternal souls. So his ascension is so important because now he's in glory. We know we're going to be going in glory. One day. One day we will. Romans says this, For if when we were enemies we were reconciled to God by the death of his son, how much more being reconciled we shall be saved by his life. He rules all things for the salvation of his people. Remember that too. All things happen according to God's plan, doesn't it? For the good of his people. For the, there's a reason all this stuff is happening now. Now we don't understand it. 
God's working it all out according to the good of his people and most of all, for his glory. For his glory. He'll be glorified. My, oh my. This pandemic come along with, you know, we... Never, no one's experienced that. We haven't in our lifetime experienced anything like this. But it's all working out for his glory and for our good. Sure made me cherish church even more and cherish you all more. It really did. Not being able to see each other in the flesh, my oh my. It was hard. And praise God he's allowed us to come back together. And it's wonderful. It's absolutely wonderful. Secondly, the Lord Jesus Christ is coming again. Let's read Acts, verse, Acts 1, verses 10 and 11. And while they looked steadfastly up toward heaven as he went up, and behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven shall so come in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. Well, here's a cause of great rejoicing for God's people. God sent these two angels with... Now remember, too, this is a word of promise. This is a word of promise, beloved. He, this is a word of promise to his beloved children. Why? So that we might have a hope. And we know our hopes in Christ. When we go through this world and slug through the things in this world, our hope is constantly Christ. Do you, imminently, do you wait for his imminent return? Of course we do. We also wait if he takes us home before he comes, don't we? Our lives are in his hands, but, but we live in anticipation of his coming, don't we? And again, he does not intend for us to know the time. The Father does not intend for us to know the time of the Lord's appearing. But we can see here, there's a certainty of it, isn't there? This is a promise of God. Why? The same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, so shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So the second advent of Christ is a matter of certainty. And we wait for the Lord to return, don't we? Be it in our lifetime or be it when we're gone. Scripture says this, For our conversation is in heaven, from whence also we look for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. We look, we look to him. We look to him while we're on this earth. We look to his return. If he, if he comes during our lives, it'll be glorious, won't it? Could you imagine just being translated in the twinkling of an eye and to be with the Lord? No more pain, no more back pain, no more hip pain, no more, no more feet pain, nothing. No more sickness, no more sorrow. It'd be glorious, won't it? So this promise here, of our Lord's return are to cheer our hearts, eh? Should cheer the hearts of the believer. Enliven our souls and encourage our hope in Christ. Because it's He who's coming. 
And there's a certainty here that he's going to return again. First Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 16 and 17 says, For the Lord himself shall descend. He's coming back. The Lord himself is coming back. That, that's evident in our text. This same Jesus, the Lord, which is taken up from you into heaven, so shall come in like manner as you've seen him go into heaven. And we read there and we read there in 2 Thessalonians where he coming back with flame and fire and vengeance. It'll be a glorious appearing. It'll be, it'll be a glorious appearing. Absolutely glorious. And Christ's coming will be a personal bodily event. He's coming. The Lord himself is coming. Behold, he cometh with clouds. And every eye shall see him, and they also which pierced him. And all the kindreds of the earth shall wail because of him. Even so, amen. That's a, that's a very public return. That's a bodily return. That's why they said this same Jesus who you saw rise up. He's coming again. Same one. Same one. That's the same one we're going to see in glory. The second we breathe our last breath here and we enter into the land of the living, because right now we dwell in the land of the dead, beloved. But when we, when we, dead spiritually, when we enter into the land of the living, we're going to see him face to face. Oh my. Makes you homesick for heaven, doesn't it? Even so, come quickly, Lord, Paul wrote. My. My, oh my. And his coming will be the consummation of our salvation. Also, Romans 11 says this. And that knowing the time that is now, now is nigh. Okay, I'm going to start the game. And that knowing the time that now it is high time to awake out of the sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believe, Romans 13, 11. It's the consummation of our salvation. Ephesians 1, 14 says this, which is the earnest of our inheritance, that being the spirit in us, until the redemption of the purchased possession under the praise of his glory. My, my, to be in the presence of the Lord, to have a glorified body, my, oh my. And again, our Lord's going to appear suddenly. Turn, if you would, to 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. It'll be a very public appearing, and it'll be just suddenly. Suddenly. That's what the scripture declares. Look at this. First Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 1 to 6. But of the times and the seasons, brethren, again, he's, he's calling his fellow saints, brethren. You have no need that I write unto you. For yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so cometh as what? A thief in the night. 
And that's the great day. For when they shall say peace and safety, then sudden destruction cometh upon them as travail upon a woman with child. And they shall not escape. No one will escape the wrath of God. Except the elect of God. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness. Look at that. That that day should overtake you as a thief. Ye are, what? Children of the lights. Look at that. Children of the light. My. And children of the day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. Therefore, let us not sleep as do others, but let us watch and be sober. Keep our eyes on Christ. Keep our eyes on Christ, no matter what. No matter what. And that's a lesson that we learn all our days upon this earth. We never stop learning that, do we? (laughs) Never. We need to keep our eyes on Christ. The third point is, Our Lord's second advent will be a climactic consumption of God's eternal purpose. Of God's eternal, it'll be, it's it's over. Look at Acts chapter 3. Acts chapter 3. A climactic consumption of God's eternal purpose. Acts chapter 3, verses 19 to 21. Repent ye therefore and be converted, that your sins may be blotted out when the times of refreshing shall come from the presence of the Lord. And he shall send Jesus Christ, which before was preached unto you, whom the heaven must receive until the times of restitution of all things, which God hath spoken by the mouth of all his holy prophets since the world began. Our God has an eternal purpose. In reading the scriptures, it appears that once our Lord appears in the second advent, everything that will happen will happen with great speed. With great swiftness, the Lord will wrap up his work among men, the resurrection of the dead, the great day of judgment, the burning up of this earth, And in a new creation, the final separation of the righteous and the wicked, all seem to to take place in a matter of moments. Turn, if you would, to John chapter 5. There will be a general resurrection. Every single person on this earth who's ever lived shall stand before the King of kings and the Lord of lords. Pilate, Caiaphas, Hitler, everybody, me, you, we're all stand before the Lord. John chapter 5, verses 28 29. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming, in which all that are in the grave shall hear his voice, 
and, and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life. They only do good because they're clothed in the righteousness of Christ. John chapter 5, verses 28 and 29. And shall come forth, they that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. The dead shall be raised. The living saints shall be changed, translated in a moment, and gathered out of the earth. And all men and women shall stand before the Lord. And be judged by him according to the strict standards of his inflexible justice. And that justice of God is inflexible. And everyone will receive exactly their due. But this, the righteous, the righteous who have been made righteous by the grace of God in Christ shall inherit glory. We don't get what's due us because it fell upon Christ, but it fell upon somebody, didn't it? It fell upon the substitute. And the wicked shall be cast into hell. And our God shall indeed make all things new. There be a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. No sin. Righteousness. No curse on this earth. Or the new earth. None at all. And this will be a glorious rest for God's people. Scripture declares this in Hebrews. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. For he that has entered into his rest, that being Christ, he hath also both ceased from his own works as God did from his. So the born again, blood washed believer, we've ceased from our works. We've ceased from trying to justify ourselves before God, haven't we? And we rest in Christ. That's found over there in Hebrews chapter 4, verses 9 and 10, if you want to write that down. There remaineth therefore a rest to the people of God. And that's Christ. That's Christ and him alone. For he that has entered into his rest. Have you entered into the rest of Christ? He says, come unto me, all ye that that are weary and heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. And it's a glorious rest, isn't it? But he who has entered into his rest, he also ceased from his own works, just as God did from his. He rested on the seventh day, didn't he? He completed the works and rested. Christ completed the work of our salvation. Now we just rest in him, don't we? We just rest in him. You know, that's the hardest thing for us to do. I've said that many times from here, from this pulpit, and that is the hardest thing for the believer to do, just to rest, just to trust him, just to trust him. And in heaven's glory, the triune God and all the countless multitude of his elect will enter into an eternal Sabbath. Eternal Sabbath, eternal rest. And in heaven's glory, we will rest from all our troubles. Think of that. 
We'll rest from all our troubles. We'll rest from all our works. And there we shall worship God. We shall serve him with joy. We will serve him with gladness. And we will love him completely. You know why? Because right now we love him and we're sinners. But in glory, we're going to love him completely. Without sin. My. Last point is this. The one who is coming for us, the text says, is this same Jesus. That's wonderful. Let's go back to our text. We'll read verses 6 to 11. When they therefore were come together, they asked of him, saying, Lord, wilt thou thou at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? And he said unto them, It is not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father hath put in his own power, but ye shall receive power after after that the Holy Ghost is come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and in all Judea, and in Samaria, and unto the uttermost parts of the earth. And when, he had, and when he had spoken these things, while they behold, while they beheld, he was taken up, and a cloud received him out of their sight. And while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, as he went up, behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, which also said, Ye man of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus, same Jesus that came from heaven, the same Jesus who who walked in the land of Israel, the same Jesus who went to the cross, set his face like a flint to Jerusalem to die for the sins of his people, the same Jesus whose hands were pierced and his feet were pierced and his side was pierced and they plated upon him a crown of thorns, this same Jesus who cried, it is finished and gave up the ghost willingly and then was buried in a tomb and rose again on the third day, this same Jesus who ascended up into glory in the presence of these apostles, this same Jesus, beloved, is coming again. This same Jesus which is taken up from you into heaven, so shall come in like manner as ye have seen him go into heaven. So these angelic messengers, now take comfort in this, these angelic messengers assure God's people that the Lord will never forget his people. He will never forget his people. The one coming to bring us home to glory is the very same Jesus who died to redeem our eternal souls. The same Jesus who is full of love and sympathy for his people. Same Jesus who brought in everlasting righteousness. The same Jesus who obtained eternal redemption for us. Same Jesus who was raised from the dead for our justification. The same Jesus, beloved, 
is coming again. This is a promise. A promise from God for us. For his people. And whether he comes for us on our deathbed. Or whether we're alive when he comes again. He's coming for us. This same Jesus. The same Jesus you trust your eternal soul to if you're one of his people. This same Jesus is coming again. The same Jesus who has now gone into heaven and is right now seated at the right hand of the Father. The same Jesus who right now is in the presence of God is our mediator. The same Jesus who now sits upon the universal throne of glory whose dominion is an everlasting dominion who rules over all things. The same Jesus shall come again. Praise his name. Praise his name. Heavenly Father, we thank you for giving us the opportunity to be here and to look at this wonderful portion, O oh Lord. And we believe, we who are your people, we believe because the scriptures say, you are coming back. We know that whether it be when we die, we'll be in thy presence, or Lord, if we're alive at your return, we'll be in your presence glory to you Lord because the only reason we will be is all because of thy mercy and all because of thy grace freely bestowed upon us upon your people by the choosing of God the Father in eternity my how we marvel at that how we marvel that the same one who, who right there you Lord right there before your your apostles just ascended right up into heaven. My, you're coming back. Our great hope, the lion of the tribe of Judah, he prevailed, O oh Lord, and you're coming again. Praise your mighty name. Amen.